So we'll say, uh, this is Ryan. Okay, this is Jill. And we are uh, white parents of black kids. Welcome to episode one. But how did it really begin? Where did all where did it all begin really? What what's the what's the origin story of white parents of black kids, the Ryan and Jill version? I guess it started with desiring to foster uh, children in need, and it came about that one of those children was black, and we uh, adopted him. And then we knew we were very unqualified to be good parents to a black child because we didn't understand a thing about where he came from, what his parents had gone through. So there's a desire in us, there's an ignorance, but a desire in us to know more and have some ability to understand or empathize with the plight that is being black in America. That's how we ended up with our next black son. That was a, it's been a journey. And so when the opportunity arose for us to take in another boy who needed a place to be, and he was black, we felt a lot more capable and aware of what he was gonna need um, because of our experiences with our first son. So it was easy to say yes. It was easy? It was easy for me. <laughs> What were some of the uh, the things at first, like with Adam, that's our the boy that we adopted through foster care, our youngest son, he's 13 now, but he came to our home when he was three days old. It's a fun story, I'm sure we'll tell it sometime. But uh, like, what were the first questions that we were trying to answer back then? Like what? Well, what seems relevant now is, um, how, how is he going to experience life differently than our other adopted sons who are white? Uh, immediately, people are going to know he's adopted, which is not something the other boys have to worry about when they first meet people. And people are going to make assumptions about him in our white world, where we live in a white neighborhood, go what to a white mean, church. Like what? Like what kind of assumptions would people well, make in well, a white world? We found that it, people are less patient. Sometimes it feels like that anyway. With, with Adam? Yeah, with really? us, with Adam. Oh, yeah. okay. Like at church when he would fuss yeah. and cry. I think there's a sense of expectation that a black child might misbehave or be naughty um, that people aren't very patient with. Uh, when I be by myself, I would also assume people made assumptions about me as a white mom with a black son. What, is, just, what did that look like? Oh, I don't know that they were or not, but I mean... Well, I think there were a couple of interesting... I mean, there's comments. Yeah, there's comments. Yeah. Um, but also, too, I just think about what I had experienced growing up and what, what, what people said about a, a woman who was white, who had a black child, who had been with a black man. What do you mean? You, they're like... Well, yeah, there's a, a certain assumption about her that, um, that she was... You know, not not very morally sound. Um, so there was just those that feeling of knowing that people might, like maybe older people, were judging me 
that was good. It was like a good if you, experience. You mean like if you were out? Out with my son. Yeah. Without yeah. without mm-hmm. Ryan. Right. Without white yeah. husband. So, it, but it was a good it was a good thing to experience because it's just a tiny taste of what my son might feel like. Yeah. Um, so there was this experience of knowing that he was experiencing life in a different way than my other sons were. And then the next thing, I knew that I needed to get into, uh, have, make opportunities for him to experience not having to be the minority all the time, which meant that I needed to be uncomfortable. I needed to find spaces where there was more diversity. Now, I remember, like, so Adam lived, it's really, well, I guess just his first year and a half in Arizona and in that first year and a half did we I'm trying to think back I I don't remember too many things that we did in that first year and a half based on his blackness we joined a transracial adoption group that's right and attended some events with them that's right other families who had white parents and black children and was that like uh, was that through the county or I think I just found I found the group yeah I'm trying to remember what some of those experiences were like. We're, it's probably like in a conference room kind of place, or there's a picnic. We went to a picnic with them once, and they had a little uh, they had a little conversation going on email and yeah, such. That's right. That takes so it was me back. nice. I mean, the kind of things they were addressing were things like hair. How do you deal with not understanding the hair? Yes, white and people skin. with black hair. Right. Right. Which seemed like the biggest problem at the time. Remember, that was an issue, you know, trying to figure out how to get his hair cut and how to take care of his skin. And little did I know how much more complicated things would get. <laughs> they did get more complicated. Right. So I think that the next biggest issue is for me to figure out how to find spaces for, for him to feel like he belonged, where I would feel the out-of-placeness that he experiences in other situations. And then I realized it wasn't enough just to go into those you, settings. You mean, okay. You mean like after... After that, like yeah, as he got older. Well, how did, did you did you find that? I, I I don't even have a whole lot of memories of that. Like, was that edifying? That yeah. transracial and uncomfortable. Oh, the transracial adoption. Group? Yeah. Oh yeah, that it was fine. But we moved pretty quickly after. That's right. We after moved, that. that, so I mean, I'm just talking about places like I I did a lot of going to the libraries in the inner city, where we'd be like in a in a baby group or something, and it would be mostly black moms, or participating in the rec center activities yep. or the or the free food meal, the lunches and things. Um, and those experiences were opportunities for him to blend in and for me to stick out. Yeah. And yeah, 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 yeah. At first, that's all it was. It was just me kind of... Well, being, he would have been, what, like three? Yeah, four, five, se- five. I mean, it was, we, we did that kind of thing yeah. well up into his, you know, almost preteen years. Just where I tried to just find opportunities, be at, be at parks, you know, just pushing my child on the swing alongside... Uh, African-American mother. Yeah. There was just opportunities to observe them. Right. To see, notice the differences between the ways that white parents and black parents relate to their children. To see how it would have been for him had he been raised by a black mom. Kind of to see what he was missing in some yeah. regards. Yeah. Um, totally. But not, but not really, not really finding myself fitting in or knowing how to, how to relate to the other mothers or other people that I was meeting. Except maybe at times to feel like I wanted to reach out and give them something because it was very obvious as soon as I entered those the only places to find those people those you know where there you was like a, black moms with yeah black like kids. where there's a, a majority of black right right and I and I am the one who's the outsider right. it's just really in in impoverished areas in the inner city that's right. where I had to go right 
And so you're, you mean, okay, this is St. Paul, Minnesota. Yeah, St. Paul, And so you go to... Yeah, parks Saint, and libraries there. Right, in, in, this, in, St. Paul, in St. Paul proper. Right, the church is there. Yep. Um, but I found that it was just kind of relating to them as a person, like a benefactor. And that never felt very comfortable. What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, I might... You mean like, like, like we like would... I could do something there, for you. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, like I'm going to teach you modeling how to be a good mom. <laughs> or I'm going to take care of your kid here who doesn't have any, have any food or has right. a diaper that's saggy. Oh, or, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. or giving them a toy or a ride in my car one time, you know. This kid had never seen or been inside of a car. Um, but, but just those chances to kind of just be the white... Well, white savior, white I guess. Savior. Yeah. Um, and then I was convicted at one point because someone had said to me about having a black child, being a white parent, that I wouldn't really ever understand or be able to relate until I, I needed to seek out black friends. Yeah. And I realized well, how deficient did, I was in when, that area. When did that happen? That was only a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, I, 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 Do you I remember, mean, without naming names, like... I don't remember. I mean, who? something I read. It wasn't somebody I knew because I don't know anybody who's doing that. Yeah. But I knew. I was convicted. I want to be friends with someone. I want it to be a natural thing. I mean, I was realizing, too, how few mentors Adam had of, like, black young men or men in general at yeah, all. Or pr- black women, too. Or even black right? women, right. right. Like, he wouldn't go, he'd go to the doctor. I remember thinking, you know, we had one black doctor once that stuck me, shook me so much. She was, she was from Africa. She was an immigrant, so she didn't speak very fluent English. But I, she was like, the, I thought, you know, this, my son never sees examples of black people in professional roles. Right, right. No teachers. Right. right. So only one, that one doctor... Um, but he, he had no examples of anybody like himself, like to going on to do something that they could be proud of, or right. at least in my vision of what a white person would see as successful. Right. And I felt for him. So I just thought I need to find, I need to find ways to relate to people that Adam could see me befriending, befriending someone, showing right. the value of that person, the dignity of that person that he would aspire to be. Right. And not, and not because they're like, you know professionals or whatever just anyone 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 i mean to, 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 to couple to actually show him that the people who are black have value right they're not just, just yeah straight th- up th- that they would be somebody that i would value as a friend yep regardless of what they did right but just because they have have value or that you know that they they do have an admirable traits yeah so yeah regardless of their place it. or state in right. society just, you know, or be yeah sure okay. sure <laughs> Yeah. We had to over over complicate that, right? So we could kind of <laughs> well, no. I mean even as white parents I mean as white parents we oftentimes find ourselves saying, Am, am I being offensive in the way I mean we try to Probably. be pretty bold. <laughs> <But we're, laughs> and we talk a looking. lot about race. Yeah. But I still find myself so uncomfortable at times so I'm gonna offend. I know. And be uh, I know. Un- unsensitive. Yeah, insensitive. it's it silences a lot of probably really good conversation. Do you wanna keep going or like sure. around? Uh-huh. Okay. We're walking around uh, the lake. I Part of the reason I wanted to try it this way, like me almost interviewing Jill, because I learn so much actually uh, from the walks that Jill and I take. COVID, COVID plus the fact that all of our boys are teenagers and they can kind of stay home alone. COVID and teenage boys has allowed us to take a lot of walks, probably like you guys too. Uh, and I find that these walks are invigorating and just occurred to me like just turn this thing on and let's talk and uh let others into a slice of the things that we talk about um and a lot of what we've been talking about lately 
is uh, racism and what role we have played in perpetuating that. Um, certainly, I, I hope not intentionally, but certainly unintentionally and with implicit biases that are being uncovered and revealed and uh, repented for and so on. But um, anyway, so yeah, just, so I'm, I'm going to be asking Jill some questions and uh, would love for you to, to follow along. So, so what do you think? I, like, I remember one of the most important, I mean, in addition to like seeking out those play opportunities, the, the, one of the places where this played out quite a bit was here we are as, as Catholics, white Catholics, and there's all of these Catholic churches around. Twin Cities is a pretty strong Catholic area. And you sought out, actually, you were the one who did it to seek out, is there a black Catholic church? And what did we, what did we experience? I, I have a lot of really fond memories of that initial kind of discovery. Take, take us back to that. It was a blessing because we finally found a place where we felt like we could be ourselves. Uh, yeah. There's just such a richness in black religious culture yep. of, uh, of openness yeah. and celebration. Hospitality, warmth, yeah. joy, uh, confidence in God, uh, a willingness to express their faith. I, and probably the biggest thing, I mean, this is for anyone who has struggled to kind of keep a family uh, to go to mass and and for us we had four adopted sons and it was probably the first place we felt not just because of Adam that there's a place that we fit but because no one looked at us weird when we made all the noise we make and all of the we could just be ourselves and finally let kind of our guard down at mass and to not feel this pressure that our family has to behave a certain way because that just wasn't a part of the culture there and that that was so so refreshing yeah instead of scowls we got smiles yeah totally yeah that's a good way to put it no more scowls i mean we we let you know and i'm not naming names of churches but we left churches because of those scowls and we would be in, we'd get scowls, remember, even in the cry room. We'd be in the cry room and we'd get scowls from the church back at us. And uh, that was, that was hard. Right, was which hard. was so neat because we were trying to, that was my first experience kind of of, of the joy of being around black people. <laughs> Just, you know, yeah. finding, finding ourselves yeah. the minority often yeah. in those situations and yet being fully embraced. And realizing that we would come to try to find a place for Adam and our whole family fit in. Yeah, yeah. And that's really been um, kind of our, our church home for the last handful of years and a place where our boys became altar servers. And, um, you know, we've got kind of our row, our spot in the front row. I mean, we would never have, have gone to the front of of another of another church we you know we'd find ourselves in the back or somewhere else but we felt like we could just go right to the front we're all i've always been a big believer that you get the kids as close as you can to what's happening at mass and that's the the most 
for them to be the most engaged, they need to be as close to it, uh, as po- close to the action as possible, if you will. So the church thing, that was big. What, what, what other milestones do you remember along the way in going, we, we've got to figure this. I mean, I think what, what you're expressing, Jill, was our desire that Adam's blackness is good. In fact, it's an incredible gift that God has given Adam. And we want to celebrate that. And we want to help him connect with other people, kids and adults, who look like him. And so the church was one example. The play dates were other examples. But where did we... Do you, do you have any examples of... Go ahead. We can say I'd something. i say our next in was just the friends that we... We didn't shelter our boys from... Like many of our friends, we feel like kind of shelter their children from... Uh, uh, you know, negative world, you know, well, maybe negative in potential negative influences, right. right. Or something like that. So we, we wanted to seek out places where our son would feel comfortable. And so we often were involved in public schools and those opportunities yeah, gave school. us, um, chances to engage with other, well, mostly children, minority children. And that's a pretty safe way to begin to enter into the black world as well because um, kids are pretty much desiring attention and will, uh, you know, warm up quickly. Yeah. So it was pretty, and, and I just have a natural desire to be around kids. I mean, I, I, I do, you know, what I like kids. What were some of your, like, I'm thinking of him at public elementary school and how did that, actually, I think it's interesting. I, I don't know if I, this is worth saying, but I mean, he had, he had black friends, he had brown friends, he had white friends. But his best friend was white. One of his best friends. Uh-huh. And um, what was that like for us as we engaged that kind of elementary school world? Well, I'm actually, I, I think, uh, I'm actually thinking about a little bit older, like more like middle school. Um, well, right. Same, right. Same, same thing that we would have done at other places. I just tried to get involved. But, but unfortunately, yeah. actually, most of the parents I ended up relating to were white parents yep. some hispanic parents well there weren't as many black kids at that particular school there, there were, were some, more though. hispanic there were some but yeah and and right that's right but we found at middle school there was uh, just a lot more opportunities a lot more kids hanging out on their own and so they'd be they'd be wanting to get a ride with us to the high school parade or um attend a, a sporting event with us yeah. or uh, just be at the playground after school Right. Hanging out. And so there's just more opportunities for us to spend a lot of time with particular kids that our kids had developed friendships with. And that was, you know, just kind of a neat way to begin to kind of see the differences again, um, modeled about how family dynamics are in other homes um, rather than just kind of seeing the world through our isolated Catholic lens. Well, and we sort of. I don't know if I'd say we were going looking for it. It's just that it was there. And we were just, uh, and I guess, I guess I'd say in no hurry to pick up our kid from school and go right home. We always have chosen to be 
very active, so you stick around right. but I after also school. But I also see some racial bias. I mean, for sure, during middle school years, there was a sense that we had, that kind of just inherited from our kind of our um, protective, you know, culture, our, the other white families that we know of being real protective of our children as far as what influences they have on them. And so part of it was we wanted to be really present to what influences our kids like to, are being you mean exposed like to. To kind of counter, yeah. or at least to be aware of what, what kids are being exposed to. If it's a minority kid, chances are they're going to probably be a bad influence. I mean, I have to be honest right. about that. Right. Um, that was just something I carried with me, this real fear. Um, so while there's a desire to get to know it, I, at first I was afraid and resistant um, and kind of kicking and screaming that these were the kids my my kids had chosen. I mean, I, I we set that up because this is where we had our kids yeah, placed in school. Yeah, we sent them to public school. And there's, but we were a little a, scared, you know. Right. It would have been safer and easier had they right. developed friendships with the suburban white children who right. were churchgoers. Right. Right, and part of it is, like, you know, Adam could have succeeded at at Catholic school, but we made a we made a particular decision to kind of embrace public school because of the the exposure to a more diverse set of people. So, yeah, middle school was. I mean, yeah, elementary school was one thing, but middle school was where our world really started to, or kind of white bubble, yeah. <laughs> started to yeah. open up, our white bubble with a black kid, but uh, opened up and to, because again, friends. Right, and I think the next, kids, friends. the next story, the next thing that we'll need to share is just how then it opened up the world to their families. And I yeah. think that's where things really started to shift in our view of how white privilege has really impacted our country and uh, made us kind of blind to how others have suffered people of color have suffered was that a like a tease for the next episode yeah that's what that was okay that was pretty good that's what the, the pros do they always tease the next episode okay great well yeah good i guess i'm a pro now <laughs> no doubt see you next time <laughs>